It is our privilege today to have our associate minister, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar, bring the message. Recently, a radio listener was uh, speaking with me and said, Pastor Nick, I really enjoy listening to your messages on the radio, and I really enjoy listening to the messages of that, that other lady speaker. Who is she? And I said, she is our tremendous, fantastic, wonderful associate minister. That's who she is, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar. Church family and radio listeners, God bless you. Well, I want to tell you about an elderly man. He was awaiting his operation on the operating table, and his son, a world-renowned surgeon, was the one who was about to perform this operation on him. So just before the surgery began, he asked if he would be able to speak to his son. So they brought his son in before surgery, and he said, son, I just want you to know, I don't want you to be nervous. His son said, okay, dad. He says, son, I want you to do your very best. He says, okay, dad, I always try to. And he says, son, if anything should happen to me, just remember, your mother will go and live with you and your wife. <laughs> Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Luke, chapter 15. And today we'll be focusing on the story of the lost son, the parable of the lost son. And so Luke, chapter 15, starting from verse 11. And if you are able to, would you please stand as we read God's word? Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 11, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set out for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, a severe famine in that whole country began, uh, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a still long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against 
against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the truths that are contained in your holy scripture. And this morning, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand the leading of your Holy Spirit and that, God, you would help us to be obedient as we respond to your word. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak as we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to be seated. This is probably a very familiar passage of scripture to most of you. The parable of the lost son. You know the story that the son, the younger one, thinks that he knows best. And so he says to his father, you know, give me my inheritance now. And so the father gives it to him and he goes off and decides that he's going to live wild and party and have that kind of lifestyle. And so in that time, everything was great. He had a lot of friends. He was partying constantly. But eventually the money ran out. Eventually, there was no more money, and so he had no choice but to now go find a job. And the only job that he could find was feeding people's pigs in a far-off country. And that's the kind of job that he had. And you see, he was at his lowest point. He went from living a life of luxury. He went from having more food than he knew what to do with. He went from the comfort of living in, in a beautiful home to now feeding pigs. To the point where he was so hungry and so desperate that it says in the scripture that he longed to fill his stomach with what the pigs were eating. That he was that desperate. That he was that hungry. So finally he gets to his senses and says, what am I doing? I should just go back home and, and beg my father to forgive me. And, and hopefully he takes me back and I'll just work for him. Be one of his servants and, and just work for him. So he gets up the courage to, to go back home. And, and while he's off and walking and probably rehearsing in his head, you know, how sorry he is and what he's going to say to his father, his father sees him a long way off. And, you know, instead of his father being angry, being bitter, being upset about the fact that his son walked away from him, his son rebelled against him, his son wanted nothing more to do with him or, or the family and took his share of the wealth and just went and squandered it while he was busy saving. Instead of the father being angry or upset, it says that he rejoiced. And all he wanted was for his son to come. Come home. That's all I want for you to come home. And so he says quick to his servants, go and prepare a feast. Go and bring new clothes and, and dress him with those garments and, and, and take care of his needs and see whatever he needs. The father just wanted him to come. That's all he wanted him to do. Come home. That's all he cared about. He didn't care about the mistakes. He didn't care about the past. He didn't care about all of the things that had happened. All he wanted his son to do was to come home. The father loved his son so much that he just wanted him 
to come. One day just before Christmas, I had a day off. And so um, I got a phone call from my mom and she had called me and said she was at a store looking at something and it was a good deal. Okay? Now, you have to understand, my mom is an 8 a.m. shopper. She likes to go early before all the crowds and everything. So, so she calls me early, and she says, I saw this good deal, Lisa, and I think we should get it, but I want your opinion. I want you to come and see it. It's not too far. So, you know, of course, it's, it's my day off. I'm tired, but I hear the word shopping. You had me at shopping. <laughs> and for those of you who know me, you know that I like to shop. Right? You know, I like to shop. And so I was, I was up for it. Okay, where, where do you want me to meet you? And she says, come and meet me at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. In that moment, my heart sank. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that joy just left. <laughs> and I thought to myself, Home Depot? Really, I was hoping for winners or for Marshalls or Home Depot. And so I said, what am I going to do at Home Depot? What am I going to go to Home Depot for? There's nothing there for me, maybe for my brothers or someone else, but not for me. I'm not going to wake up early and get out of my bed and get excited to go for, to Home Depot. And she said, but this is where it's at. And I said to myself, Home Depot, why am I going to go to Home Depot? Coming to Home Depot, going out in the cold, there's nothing there for me, what am I going to do there? And you know, as I think about that example, that small example, I think that's how a lot of people view the church and God today. Why am I going to get up early to go to church? What's there for me? What, what am I going to do there? I don't fit in with those people. I don't understand this God that you're talking about, that you're worshiping. And you see, the beautiful thing is that even though we don't understand, even though we may not, it may not make sense to us, God simply says, but come. This is where it's at. This is what I have to offer you. Just come to me and I will show you. As my mom was saying, just come and you'll see it and you'll understand. And, and I'm thinking, no, there's nothing there for me. I don't want to go there. God says, just come and you will see. Come and experience for yourself and you'll understand. Just come. And God tells us over and over in his word to come to him. To come to him for all that we need. To come to him so that he can meet our our needs. God tells us to come with our worries. Come to him with our worries. Are you going to God with your worries? You see, there are a lot of people who worry constantly. Are you one of them? That you worry that things aren't going to turn out that the way they should be. That you worry about your family. You worry about your finances. You worry about all of those things. But you know what? At the end of the day, we don't have control over any of those things. And God says, bring them to me, give me your worries, give me your concerns, and trust me with them. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on him or your cares on him because he cares for you. He's saying, give it all over to me. You don't need to hang on to those worries. You don't need to hang on to those burdens. You don't need to hang on to those things. Just give them over to me and trust me with them. Are you giving God all of your worries? 
God tells us to come to him for rest. Come to him for rest. You see, we live in a a fast-paced society where we're constantly on the go, where there's always something that's happening, where it's always, something is going on. And how many of us just wish that we could rest, that we could rest. And God wants to give us that kind of rest, not so much a physical rest as a spiritual rest, to know that we are okay, to rest in him, to look upon him, to trust him with all that we are. He desires to give us that rest. Are you resting in him? Are you looking to him for that rest? He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I believe that's all of us. All of us could use that. Those of us who are weary and tired and burdened and overworked and who just need that rest. He says, come to me and I will give you that rest. God wants us to come to him with our future and our plans. He wants us to come to him with our future and our plans and commit them to him. We all have hopes and dreams for the future, whatever they may be. Doesn't matter what age we are, it doesn't matter what part in our life we're living, but we all have dreams for the future or goals for the future. And we can work hard on our own and we can try to build something and we can try to achieve much and and for the most part by human standards and by worldly standards we probably do. But you see, if God is not in it, then it's not blessed and we can work so hard and we can do all that we can but by human standards we're successful but by God's standards we failed he wants us to commit our ways to him and you see when we commit our ways to him when we're trusting in him when we commit everything to him he will bless it and his will will be done if we commit those plans to him Psalm chapter 37, verse 23, says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God wants to know and be involved in every detail of your life. He already knows because he's God, but he wants us to tell him. He wants us to go to him. He wants us to have that relationship with him. You see, God wants to be involved in every area Are you committing your ways, your future plans to the Lord? Are you saying, God, this is what I want, but it's not what I want anymore, it's what you want. And so God, even though this is what I want, if that's not your will for me, then you change it. If that's not what you want for me, then you show me what you want. Are you doing that? Or are you constantly just building up? You know, in my mind over the last few months, a scripture that has come again and again, I don't know why, and I don't know if it's for me or or for someone else, but it's that scripture that says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his very soul? What does it profit someone? In other words, how does it make sense that you can achieve every single thing that you want in this life, fame and fortune and everything, but at the end of the day, if you don't have God, then you've lost it all in perspective of eternity. 
And so commit your ways to the Lord and ask him, God, is this your plan for my life? Is this the person I should be with? Is this the job that I should take? Is this where I should move? Is this the ministry you've called me to do? Because at the end of the day, it's all about him and we want him to be glorified. Amen? God wants us to come to him for healing. Come to him for healing. And this is healing physically, healing spiritually, healing emotionally, healing on every level. And I believe that in some way or another, we all need healing. Healing from our past, healing from uh, different wounds that we have, healing from relationships, healing in different ways. And how beautiful and how good it is to know that God is able to heal us, that he is more than able to give us the healing that we need. He may not always give it to us the way that we expect it, but he will heal us and his will will be done. In different places throughout the gospel, we see people constantly coming to Jesus or Jesus constantly encountering people and them in need of healing. And more often than not, the healing that we see taking place is a physical healing. But do you realize that if you read the gospels, Jesus never turned anyone away? He never said, not today, I'm not feeling like it. He didn't say, well, that's a little too hard for me to do. No, he always healed. Whether it be the way that they expected right away, whether it be an eventual healing, but he healed. He healed because he is able. In Mark chapter 10, verse 52, go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. And immediately the man received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You see, God desires to heal us according to his will. But before he can even do that, we need to bring those requests before him. We need to come humbly seeking him and acknowledging him that on our own, we can't heal ourselves. That on our own, we can't do anything. But it's only through Christ that we can. It is only through him that we can receive that healing. And you see, my friends, there are a lot of us today who need a physical healing. And please don't get me wrong in saying, I'm not saying that just because you pray and ask God, God will instantly and automatically heal you. Because the truth is that there are many times where God doesn't heal us the way that we want him to or expect him to. And for whatever reasons, we may not understand that but that does not make him any less God. That does not make him any less worthy to be praised, and that should not cause us to stop worshiping him and trusting him. And so we need to trust him, because even if he chooses not to heal us in this life here on earth, he will heal us in eternity, and we will be made whole in his presence. And so are you bringing that need for healing before the Lord? Maybe it's a physical healing that you're coming and asking, God, please help me. I've been suffering with this issue for far too long. Maybe it's an emotional issue. God, I've been having these issues emotionally um, from, from past relationships or whatever, anger or bitterness or, or jealousy or rage or whatever. Maybe it's a spiritual healing that you're in need of. 
that God, this has happened so long ago and, and I just don't know how to trust you anymore. And, and maybe you need him's help to restore that trust, to trust in him. Whatever it may be, come to God for your healing. God wants us to also come to him for forgiveness. Come to him for forgiveness. You see, each one of us are sinners. We have all messed up. We are sinners in need of being saved. God is holy and by his standards, we will never measure up. But how beautiful it is to know that a holy God understands that. And so he has come so that we could experience forgiveness. He has died so that we could be redeemed and forgiven. And all he expects is for us to come before him, acknowledging that we have messed up, acknowledging that we have sinned against him, and ask for forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see that? That there is a part that we play in this. That we can't just expect God to forgive us. But it says that if we confess our sins, that means that we have to do our part. That if we come to him and, for, and ask him to forgive us, then he will. God wants us to come to him for forgiveness. Is there something that you need to come before God and ask him to forgive is there something that you need to come to him and confess? Because we don't have to confess to man because we have a high priest who intercedes on our behalf. God wants us to come and know that when we come, he forgives us. And it's so beautiful because the scripture says in Psalm 103 that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That means that when God forgives, he forgets. That means that he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity. That means that God forgives us and it's a clean slate are you coming to God and asking him for that kind of forgiveness? God also wants us to come before him for salvation. Come to him for salvation. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name given by which we must be saved. Salvation is only found in Jesus. And the world is so confused because people feel that I can get to heaven by doing good works. I can get to heaven by giving money to the poor. I can get to heaven by being a good person or, or doing this or doing that. But the Bible tells us that the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That we must believe in him and put our faith and our trust in him. And he is the only way to God the Father. Jesus Christ is the way. Are you coming to God for salvation? Are you coming to him for that assurance? And you see, when we've come to him, when we've placed our faith and our trust in him, then we can have a peace and we can have an assurance. Because you see, there are so many uncertainties in this world. There are so many uncertainties day after day. And the only thing that is guaranteed in this life, the only certainty that we have is that Jesus Christ saves and that he is Lord and we can have that assurance for heaven one day. 
Are you coming to God? Have you trusted in him? Have you received the gift of salvation that he so desperately wants to give? He came so that we could have life and have it to the full. You see, the bottom line, my friends, is that God loves you. God created you. God wants a relationship with you. And he just wants us to come to him. He just wants us to come to him. And the other important thing is that it's never too late to come to God. It is never too late to come to him. And so you may be sitting here today and think, well, you know, I, I come to church once in a while and I'm a good person and maybe my husband or my wife is a Christian and so, you know, I don't have to worry about that. But you see, it's a decision that each and every one of us have to make. When we stand before the throne of God one day, we can't say, well, you know, my parents were Christian and I, I went to church when I was younger or my grandmother was a Christian and she prayed for me. No, have you made a personal decision? Have you made that personal decision to say, I believe? And maybe today you're saying, well, I'm not sure. But like that issue with the Home Depot, come and experience for yourself. Come and see and you will understand. Come and experience that for yourself. God wants us to come. He is a God who comes in our time of need, a God who comes to us and comes before us. He is a God who came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to our rescue. He came to us in our weakness. He came to our need. He is a God who understands and a God who stands to defend us, a God who comes and says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone, a God who is there when we need him. He is a God who tells us to come to him. A God who wants us to come to him. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1, he says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the water. He has a spiritual water that he gives that can quench our thirst. Jesus says, come. When he walked on water and, and Peter saw him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come and I will come. And Jesus said, come. He is the same God who after Lazarus was dead for four days in the tomb and Jesus came and, and, and his sister said, Lord, if you had only been here, if you had only been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And it's been four days now. He's been dead four days, and there's no hope. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he came. He is the God who says, come to me, for I am with you. But you need to make that decision. I'm not a God who forces my way on you. I'm not a God who will just constantly follow you around. But I'm a God who is there and I say, come. Will you come to me today? Will you come and experience that kind of a relationship I want to have with you? A father and his son were in Africa, they were visiting and they decided to rent a vehicle to go on an off-road safari. 
And so the father and his son got into the vehicle, and as they were driving, they were exploring around, not knowing where they were really going, but just exploring. And so time had passed, and they had gone and traveled many, many miles. The son, because he was little, was getting fidgety and, you know, was complaining a little bit. And all of a sudden, they started hearing a little noise in the engine. And so the father eventually pulled over off the road and and decided that he was going to check out this noise as they prepare for their journey back to the place that they had come from. And so the father got out of the vehicle and his son jumped out and he had a little ball with him and he began to kick it around and to play as little children like to do. And so his father went and was working on the SUV and and checking out the vehicle and he looked over and his little son was over there and was playing with his ball and that was fine and so he went back to, to working on his SUV. And so every so often he would glance up to make sure his son was okay. And so he again glances up and sees now his son is a little further along and still playing with his ball as happy as can be. And so he thought that was okay. And so goes back and and, and does some work and looks up again to notice his son was even further. And so he says to him, okay, that's far enough. I, I can see you and stay right there and don't go any further, as you parents probably have done, right? So the father went back and worked on his SUV more, and and all of a sudden he, he looked up and noticed that the sun had gone and wandered even further away. And so the father, in a panic, looked up, but not only did he see his son at this time, but he saw some movement in the bushes. And so as he got a little closer, he noticed that his son was not alone. And the son was busy playing and just having a good time. But stalking his son was a lion in the bushes. And so the father knew that the lion's eyes were on the son. And and so the lion would get closer and closer, but the son had no idea. He was so invested and concentrated on playing with his little ball that he had no idea of what was going on around him. And the father knew that if he yelled out to his son, then the lion would strike and, and attack his son. And so he made eye contact with his son and he, he said, son, son, come here, son, come. Well, his son said, I'm playing, leave me alone, I'm, I'm having a good time, we've been stuck in that SUV for so long, and, and I'm having fun playing with my ball. And so the father grew more nervous, what, what am I going to do? And so he said, son, son, come here, come please, trust me, come here. And, and again, the, the son said, no, I'm, I'm having a good time, leave me alone, you know, I'll come when I'm ready, just give me a few more minutes, let me play. And so... The father could see that the lion each time was getting closer and closer to his son. And and finally, the father, as he saw the lion getting closer, yelled out, Son, please come, look! And it was too late. You see, the father watched as that lion grabbed his son and tore away with him. The father saw the lion. The father saw the destruction that was about to happen. And his son didn't understand. And I heard that story and and I thought about the fact that isn't that like so many people today? 
that God stands here and he sees the big picture and he says, just come to me. Stay close because I will protect you. Stay close to me. But, you know, we're busy doing our own thing. No, God, I'm having fun. I'm in the world. Let me party. Let me drink. Let me be wild. Let me live life. You know, just give me five more minutes and I'll, I'll come back to you. I'll smarten up. I'll stop. And, and God is saying, please, come, son or daughter, come. And we're so busy saying, God, no, no, not yet. I'm, I'm coming. Don't worry. And God is saying, trust me. Because you don't see what I see. I see the de destruction that's lurking around the corner. I see the things that you don't see. But I'm saying, trust me. Trust me, not because I don't want you to have fun. But trust me because I don't want you to fall into the hands of the enemy. The Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion, that he's constantly looking to devour, that he's constantly waiting for that moment of weakness to destruct, to strike, and to destroy us. And God says, come, come to me. Are you coming to God? Are you trusting him? Are you staying close? Not because he wants you to live a life of misery and rules and regulations, but because he sees the things that we don't see. Because he understands the things that we don't understand. And as I thought about that story, Psalm 91 came to mind. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. God's faithfulness and will be our shield and our protection. God is our protection and simply he says, come. I'm sure some of you today need to do just that. Some of you today need to come and you need to say, God, I know I've been doing my own thing, but I come to you. Maybe today you need to say, God, I'm coming before you on behalf of a family member, on behalf of a son or daughter that's walked away from you, or on behalf of a family member who doesn't even know you yet. And you need to say, God, I'm praying that they would come because I know that you know the things that we don't. Would you come today and would you commit that to the Lord? You see, God does not stand there ready to condemn, but he stands ready to forgive. He stands ready to love on us. He stands ready for us to experience the love that he has, the love of the Father. Would you stand? As our worship team comes, and as we sing this closing song, I want to invite you, if you would like to come and spend some time at the altars praying, maybe for yourself and your relationship with God, maybe, as I said, for your son or daughter, your husband or your wife, a family member or friend, whoever it is, we all need Jesus. And they need to understand and come and experience for themselves. So would you come? Let us pray. Father, indeed, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a great and an awesome God.
And we thank you, Father, that you tell us to stay close to you because in you we find hope, we find protection, we find all that we need. And we thank you, God, that you are our shield and our protection. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would challenge each heart and each life, that you would speak and that you would have your way. And so, Father, may your Holy Spirit come and move in this place. And we pray, Father, that indeed you would help us to come to you, to know that you are good, that you are perfect in all that you do all the time. And so God, we look to you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.